At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 545th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who grows food and shares it with his campus community. We're talking with Matt Provost about student farming. Matt is involved with a student organization called F.H. King Students for Sustainable Agriculture at the University of Wisconsin. He is one of two farm directors running the One Acre Student Farm on campus. They grow all sorts of vegetables as well as fruit trees, berries, and hazelnuts. Every Friday during the growing season, they harvest produce in the morning, then truck it back to campus, set up a farm stand, and give the harvest to the student community for free. Matt is studying landscape architecture and very interested in permaculture, regenerative agriculture, and enhancing local food systems. He wants to work at the intersection of eco-restoration and agriculture and believes we can feed ourselves healthier food while providing habitat for all of the creatures that we share the land with. Welcome to the show today, Matt. Are you ready to rock? Absolutely, Greg. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in central Wisconsin in a small town, and I did a lot of outdoorsy stuff growing up, lots of fishing, hiking, camping. So I kind of had that background. And then when I came to school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something that could help the environment. So I eventually uh, settled on landscape architecture for my major, and then I started getting involved in different orgs on campus, and the sustainable agriculture org seemed to be really cool because they were doing, like, hands-on stuff. You know, we had a farm up on campus and hydroponic system and some other stuff, so I started getting involved with that. Eventually, two summers ago, I got hired as a farmhand, and then midway through that Summer, one of the farm directors left to study abroad, and then I got their position as farm director, and I've been working as that right up until now when I'm about to graduate. Nice. And so you work for the F.H. King program. Who was F.H. King? Right. So F.H. King is or was a soil scientist right around 1900, like 1890s. He was professor here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he wrote a lot about soil physics. Uh, he did a lot of traveling. His most famous work is called Farmers of 40 Centuries, which is a book about uh, his travels documenting the indigenous growing techniques in China, Japan, and Korea. Oh, how interesting so, uh, is that? Yeah, it's really cool. He also designed and invented the uh, cylindrical grain silo that you see all over the Midwest. So, oh, wow. It's yeah. And how long have you been involved with this group? Uh, about two years now. Oh, nice. 
Nice, nice. So imagine for a moment we're standing at the entrance to your farm. You said it's one acre, mm-hmm. right? Right. Give us a, a verbal picture of what we're going to be seeing if we're looking at that. Okay. So our farm is in the Lakeshore Nature Preserve in Madison. So it's right on the shore of Lake Mendota, which is a large lake. And we're actually one acre out of about a six acre community garden, which is one of the biggest ones in the country. And we're kind of at the bottom of this hill. And we have about an acre set aside where we have four different plots for row crops and vegetables, and then lots of fruit trees and berry bushes and perennials and that sort of thing. Nice. And so you you have a crew that shows up to harvest once a week? Yeah. So every Friday during the growing season, we me, the other farm director, our two farmhands, and whoever else wants to come out there to volunteer will go out to the farm early in the morning and spend first half of the day harvesting all our vegetables and fruit or whatever we have. And then we'll haul it all back to campus, which is only like a mile away, and then set up a little farm stand. And then uh, people come by and just take whatever they want for free. So how does that really work? Because it's been my experience that if somebody's getting something for free, they may not value it as much. What experience have you had with that? It's been very positively received on campus. So we're funded through uh, student segregated fees. So it's kind of like the students pay this extra fee that goes into this pool that gets distributed back to all these different student orgs. And so we're like providing a service to the students through the food that we're giving away. And people come by just like very ecstatic to just like get this like fresh organic produce that was grown like a mile away from where they're getting it now. And what are they doing with it? Well, my hope is that they take it home and cook it up with their friends and eat it. There you go. And you've been involved with this project for a few years now. Somewhere along the way, somebody has interacted with you in such an epic way that, you know, you're thinking, wow, this is the reason I'm doing this. Do you have one of those for me? Yeah, totally. So every summer we do this uh, farm internship program where we get a bunch of people Last year was about 20 altogether that will come out to the farm about five hours a week to do some labor. And then we do like an educational workshop or take a field trip once a week. So one of our farm interns last summer, his name is Will. He is like this computer science major. You know, he's like spent, spends all his time like working at an insurance company. Or he was last summer. And so he came out to the farm and he's not a very outdoorsy type of guy, but uh, he just loved it and he stuck around. And eventually last fall, we hired him as our finance director for the org. At one of our like org meetings, someone asked Will like what the farm internship, we were talking about the farm internship and someone asked Will what the farm internship like meant to him since he was one that did it. And he said that it changed his life and that he likes plants now. And (laughs) that was, that was really cool to hear. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than getting your hands dirty and growing some food, man. It's uh, been reconnecting with nature. Yeah. When was the first time you grew anything? Oh boy. I was a little kid. My grandpa's got a giant garden, most of his lawn is a garden. And I grew up doing lots of things that revolved around food, like gardening and fishing. And like, I was even foraging from a young age for certain things. Oh, nice. And so you're graduating at some point. Yeah, this May. So in two months here. Ah, so the big question is, 
is are there systems in place with your farm so that you can replace yourself when you leave? Yeah, we actually just hired my replacement. So there's always two farm directors and the goal is that one leaves, another one stays on for a year or a year longer and then trains the new one and then that person leaves. So like each farm director would have like two year terms that are kind of offset. Mm-hmm. And we just hired the my replacement and this girl who grew up on an organic and biodynamic farm in Wisconsin. Wow. So I have I have no worries about where the future of the farm will be going. Nice. Do you have an advisor that you work with that kind of makes sure that everything stays in order or is this totally student led? So we have like a board of advisors that will are kind of just like a group of faculty members across different departments that uh, we can like go to and ask questions to, but it's pretty much all student run. I had to just, I was Googling like, all of my last winter break trying to figure out how to run a farm. (laughs) Nice. So projects that are involved with the FH King program, what are they? Yeah. So besides the farm, we have a hydroponic system. We keep bees. And then we do a lot of educational and programming events throughout the year. We We host a monthly lecture series on different topics. But the farm is kind of our biggest project. And last year or last season, for example, we gave away around 4,000 pounds of produce to wow. the campus for free. Wow. That's, that is epic. What, do you ever have any extra? Yeah. Sometimes we have a hard time giving away all our produce. So there's another also student org on campus called the Campus Food Shed that has fridges uh, refrigerators in different campus buildings and the idea is that they just stock it with food and then people that need to can come and grab stuff so sometimes we'll like stock their refrigerators with our leftover produce uh, we can some of it too to g- give away during the winter oh nice and when is your growing season because it seems it might be opposite of when your students are there yeah it kind of is so we're in wisconsin here so it's a pretty short growing season it runs from about early may until the middle of october so in early May is right when the school semester ends. Yep. So most of our growing happens during the summer, but then we have it designed so that in the last, like in September, all the big crops will be ready to harvest. So like oh, our sweet corn and squash wow. and potatoes and all that. Got it. Well, that that's a brilliant way to do it. You guys have got this all figured out, don't you? I guess so. Thank you. What's the impact here? I think the biggest impact we have is just getting people like out to the farm and excited about, you know, interacting with nature and getting their hands in the soil. Because, I mean, food and especially growing food is our most direct, our most intimate connection with nature. So just like the more people we can expose to that that didn't have that opportunity growing up like I did, I think will inevitably make the world a better place. But then also in a more tangible sense, the we give away a lot of food that like feeds people. And this is like good, healthy food that gives people good energy. So nice. I feel really good about what we're doing. I'll bet you do. And what groups of people do you interact with at the farm? So I mentioned the farm internship. That's kind of like our core group during the summer. And they'll come out uh, about like two different nights per week. But then last year we had a group called Briar Patch come out there, which is they at least in Madison, they do like a restorative justice type thing. So it's like some younger kids who have gotten in trouble that need to do some community service hours. They can come up to the farm and put in some hours that way. 
And then we have the Goodman Youth Group come out, which is kind of like a summer camp for kids, but it's like focused on food and agriculture. So we have them come out there and play some games with them and like show them stuff. So that's also quite fun. Wow. So not only are you growing food and delivering it to the campus, you're bringing in other organizations to educate them? Yeah. Wow. And what direction do you see this, uh, your farm going in in the future? Physically, I think it would be be really cool to see more perennial production, more hazelnuts, elderberries, asparagus, that kind of stuff. Because I think that's an important direction that farms, that agriculture in the Midwest should be going. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like a programming side of things, I I think we really just got to keep doing what we've been doing, getting like more diverse groups of people out to the farm, educating people on that. I didn't mention, but every... Every fall and spring, we have like a big festival out at the farm. In the fall, it's called Harvest Fest, and in the spring, it's called Farm Fest. And we get like like fifty to hundred people out there, and we have a band, and it's a lot of fun. Wow, God! When I was in college, the band was in the basement of Peterson Hall, no relation to me, and there was all kinds <laughs> of drinking going on. That's all that happened when I was in college. Yeah, I mean that's still going on here, of course. But uh, we we have a more wholesome version of that out at our farm. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Okay. So, yeah, the last growing season was the first one that I had to kind of plan from the beginning with my co-director and work all the way through. And so it was a lot of trial and error. And I had it all planned out. Like, you know, I'm a landscape architecture major, so I made maps with, like, rows of, like, where all the crops should go. And so I had it all planned out of, like, when we were going to plant stuff, when we were going to harvest stuff. And then, obviously, it doesn't always work out as planned. (laughs) Things started to happen. Like, the eggplants got attacked by these flea beetles, and I didn't really know how to handle it. So I took some, like, apple cider vinegar and, like, sprayed, like, all the plants with it, which, like, kind of killed the eggplants. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then just, like, other little things happened. Like, our watermelons got some sort of blight and died, like, within a week. There's like, nothing we could do. So it was just, like, when we'd, like, lose a crop or, like, something unexpected happened, like, I took that, like, very personally. But what I learned from that was just to keep working, like, and diversity is so important because, like, yeah, we lost, like, our eggplants and our melons, but we had so much other stuff going on that it didn't really matter all that much in the long run. Mm-hmm. The reason I ask this question is because I want people to know that, you know, you can kill something, you can have something fail, and you can still be successful. You just have to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you do. I'd say so. Yeah, we just uh, kept kept things moving on, and we ended up growing a lot of food. Nice. And what do you consider your biggest success? So I'm also going to say the last growing season, because even though the little hiccups happened, overall, it was like the the crops, they looked like I wanted them to, like on my plans for the most part. And that, that was awesome to see that, like realized at the end of last season, like it's like at the end or middle to end of October, we, me and Paul, my co-director, and a couple of his friends went out there and we built like a big fireplace, like totally up to code and everything. It's like oh, nice. two days before our har- like two days before our harvest fest, and we just like built like a very level like fireplace with 
like good looking flagstone and everything. And then like when fire harvest fest happened, we had like a big fire going on, like in front of where the band was playing. And it was all just very picturesque. Nice. You know, I, it occurred to me as you were sharing about that, you're graduating in May of 2020 and you're going to be leaving this space that you've, that you've helped co-create. How does that make you feel? It's a little bittersweet. I feel very content with what I've accomplished in the position and very comfortable with where I'm leaving it. So yeah, like it has been such a big part of my life for so long and I'm always going to have that connection to that little piece of land, but I'm just happy that it happened and excited for whatever comes next. Sounds like a nice big success. Yeah. And what drives you? So when I started college and I started getting interested into food and food systems, I couldn't really figure out why, but then working out at the farm the last two years, it, I just really got to see the magic of it all. You know, you put the seed in the ground and then like things happen and you get like this giant corn stalk that like gives you this little package of fuel that it tastes delicious and like moves your body. And I don't know, it's just crazy and weird and beautiful. And I just love like what all of what this earth has to give. Nice. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Okay, so I know from listening to your podcast that you're uh, big on the book Ishmael, right? Oh, yes. That's the one. That was my book. In fact, that book is the reason for this question. Yeah, I read that book when I was 17 in my wow. senior year of high school, uh-huh. and which is probably about the right time to read that book. Yep. And it uh, kind of just like shattered my worldview. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I went from like, like I was good at like math and science in high school. So I was going to like go to college to become an engineer because I figured I could make a lot of money doing that. And then after I read that, I was like, wait a second. And I kind of had to rethink like why I wanted to do things and also what kind of life I want to live. So I have a second book as well. It's called Hippie Food by Jonathan Kaufman. And uh, this is just a really fun read. I read it last summer, and it talks about how, like, certain foods from, like, tofu and granola and even whole grain bread were kind of brought back into the mainstream because of the hippie movement in the uh, 60s and 70s. And it's a really fun book to read. Nice. And a final piece of advice for our listeners. Yeah. So um, one thing I learned from uh, working at the student farm is that it's really huge task and the only way to tackle it is one step at a time. So like, don't, no matter how big the task seems to be, like it's still just one thing after the other and like try not to get overwhelmed and just keep, keep trudging along and eventually you'll look back and be impressed by how far you came. (laughs) Nice. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Matt. Thank you, Greg. So how can our listeners find you? Yeah, so you can reach out to me personally at my email, which is matt.provost18 at gmail.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with FH King, Students for Sustainable Agriculture, you can send an email to fhking.students at gmail.com. And also check out our website, fhking.org. Excellent. And you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash F.H. King. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. 
You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.